the home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns Finals coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. The Bucks take game three in Milwaukee. Well, Milwaukee just making it look easy. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. Good evening, everyone. I'm Spencer Keatsman in for Luke Lipinski on the rundown tonight. It is another off day, a back-to-back off day. Feels like the Suns should be playing tonight, but they're not due to, I assume, it would be the scheduling conflicts with television, with ESPN and the All-Star game that's going on right now. They probably had to figure out a way around that, but we've got that going on on ESPN 620. If you'd rather listen to the All-Star game, the American League of the National League, it's one nothing AL in the top of the third, but we've got a lot to get into tonight. Um, specifically, it's it's obviously a very heavy sun show. We've got a lot of sound from players to get into today. Uh, a, a lot of interesting storylines coming out of the media availability, and um, nothing more front and center than than Monty Williams and uh, his comments about the free throw disparity um, that sort of took off. That I don't think he really meant any ill will towards the officiating in that regards, but we'll get into all that and much more on The Rundown. It's now time for The Rapid Reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, the Suns look ahead to game four in Milwaukee. That'll be tomorrow night at 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station at 6 o'clock. His uh, tip-off will be just after 6 o'clock. But Monty Williams earlier today got to review the tape from Game 3. Here's what he took away. They took it to us. No other way to look at it. They played with a great deal of force, 50-50 balls, attacking the paint. We had uh, spurts playing the way that we play, but certainly not as consistent as we needed to. And I think I said that the other day, but they, from the first possession of the game, we had a bad transition uh, defensive laps they get a three uh, corner three in transition that was a credit to them they played with a great deal of of uh, energy and and they were physical we were physical but they were physical from the jump yeah they definitely were uh, you could just tell and with the shot with the shots not going in early on I think the Suns played a little bit better in the second half per se but uh, that third quarter run I mean, it was just a game of runs where that 16-0 run to end the third quarter, you just, you're you going to have a tough time in, in the NBA Finals against a team that's very good coming back from down 20 points to win the game. Just doesn't happen a whole lot. That's, uh, that's a tough one. But you know what? You take your lumps. You move on. You've got game four. You've had some time to regroup. Some may say that the Suns were fatigued a little bit. Uh, I believe everyone's tired at this point in the NBA season. They've played a lot of games. Um, nobody's played more games than the Suns and Bucks, obviously. Uh, so they got to be especially tired at this point. But, you know, you find ways to grind through it. Um, you find ways to put it together to win a basketball game. And you certainly have to find ways to stop Giannis because that's something that the Suns have not done in this series, although they did win the first two games. Um, but Chris Paul was asked earlier today, by the media if Giannis gets the respect he deserves around the league. You know, even though he's won two league MVP titles, a lot of people still don't give him the credit that he deserves, according to uh, the guy asking the question. And he's a two-time MVP. Regardless how he score, he do it. You know what I mean? He come down there, he dunk, he dunk some more, <laughs> and he shoot layup. You know what I mean? So 
it, it is what it is. And I, I think you got to figure out a way to stop him. You know, we have to try to figure out a way to, to slow him down. And um, for us, you know, slowing down or not for us is win the game. Win the game. Like, I, I don't care what the stat sheet looked like after the game, win the game. So for, for him, I mean, he, he's a two-time MVP. So we, we got to deal with him as such. That being said, when, when he does, say, pull up from behind that line and do the kinds of things that, that uh, you know, that drive some of the fans crazy, like when you're on the court, are you going, all right, go ahead. Like, that's what, that's what we need. I mean, listen, we all got our specialties. You know what I mean? Like, they not clearing the lane, let me try to go dump. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not what I do. You know, so at the end of the day, we we, we always going to play the percentages. I might have like half a dunk on the season right now. So <laughs> let me figure that out. Maybe he might be right. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I saw Chris Paul dunk the ball, but that's not his game, obviously. That's DeAndre Ayton's game. He's the guy that the Suns could get the lane cleared and let him attack the basket and make something vicious happen. Uh, obviously, with Giannis there, it's, it's hard to do because not only can he score, the guy's a really good defender as well. Um, but the Suns will have to come up with some sort of response or answer. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more in-depth throughout the show. It, it, you know, the, the Bucks, what they do is sort of like with Denver. They have one guy who's big, who is really, really good, and then the rest of the team is just assembled with a bunch of guys who uh, are not they're not superstars by any means, but they're capable of getting the job done on a given night, and that's what the Bucks did in, in Game 3. They were able to get it done. Um, third story, Team USA uh, coming off the loss to Australia in their exhibition they get the huge, huge blowout win today uh, against Argentina. They won it uh, 108 to 80, so a nice little 28 point victory there. Kevin Durant with 17 points, Bradley Beal with 17, Damian Lillard had 13, and uh, Bam Adebayo had 12, and Zach Levine 15. I, I kind of like this Team USA team, though. It's just an interesting uh, assortment of guys. Uh, <laughs> Um, a lot of names, it's like, okay, that's nice, that's nice, and then boom. You know, you got your, your big five that are starting, and then once Devin Booker gets there, this team's going to be, you know, uh, even better if Devin Booker ends up going, which I think he will. He says he will, but you never know what could happen as he's focused on the NBA Finals right now 100%, that's for sure. So um, we'll just have to see. I'm Spencer Keatsman, in for Luke Lipinski on the rundown. Jesse Morrison behind the glass, producing the effort. What's up, Jesse? What's up? Yeah, not much. You're you're smiling. You're giggling a little bit. What's what's going on, buddy? You're just gonna throw me under the bus? Yeah, on, no, on I'm not gonna here? throw you under the bus. <laughs> uh, just uh, just just trying to put you on the spot right now. What'd you think of? Uh, what what are your thoughts on? You know, maybe what we've heard today from Monty Williams and the Suns going into uh, Game Four on Wednesday night. You know, uh, I you know very interesting. Yeah, um, Chris Paul earlier today. Um, we're gonna we're gonna play some sound from media because we haven't not yet heard from Monty Williams. Um, but the uh, the the officiating was was one of the things where you know it, it was a it was a very kind of confusing game in terms of officiating because you keep seeing things that pop up and you're just like I I don't know <laughs> why that's a foul or. Or what? Uh, what? What the officials are thinking on some of these things, and then the the the, the part that gets me most, and I'll I'll say this about before we get any further into this discussion with officiating, because it's it's constantly an issue. Um, it is it's constantly being brought up, and it's being magnified by players. 
who complain literally about every call. I mean, it, it's on it's on both sides of this thing. Every time Jay Crowder gets called for an obvious foul, uh, he makes a big deal of it. He, he can grab the guy's arm, pull him straight down. What? I didn't do that. You know that that's been happening a lot, and I think until uh, that changes, you know, because the, the fans feed off the players. So if the players are complaining about it, the fans are going to be like, "Well, our guy can't be wrong." Like that's just how sports works. Like your guy's never wrong. Your guy's never in the wrong. Um, it's just the way it is. So, uh, Monty Williams, he wanted to make it clear. He got kind of caught up with the media after the game, didn't want to complain about the officials. And then later on, he, he ended up sort of complaining about the officials, uh, because of the, the free throw disparity. And he wanted to make that clear that he was just stating a fact. The Bucks did in fact shoot more free throws than the Suns by a lot in game three. It, it just forces us to be more. Like you can't you can't change your screen just to fit what he's doing. That that you know I, I don't think that's something that um, we will spend a lot of time on. Um, there's certain things that we can do that I won't share with you all, so you can go tell them. But it's it's just we want to be as consistent as we can um, to try to get a hit on those guys. That uh, Connaughton's another guy, PJ's another guy that can get over. Um, a screen and Middleton's better on defense than people give him credit. So th- there's a reason why they've been a really good defensive team the past few years. They they have guys that know what they're doing. Hey Monty, um, after last game you said you didn't want to complain about the fouls, but then you kind of did the next sentence. I'm curious the the reason for doing Is that like that? a jab or no no way of like no I'm just curious the reason for bringing that up at a press conference is what? Well, somebody asked me the question like how can I to help DA. So I answered it. And then the, the free throw disparity is what it is. So that's what I did. They had one player with 17 free throws. We had 16. That's not complaining. That's stating facts. Yeah. And with it, with a guy like Giannis being the stud that he is and as big as he is, uh, you know, you remember the term hack a shack, right? <laughs> Every time, cause Shaq couldn't shoot free throws. I mean, Giannis is a, a better, a lot better free throw shooter than Shaq is, but that's really not saying a whole lot. But that's sort of what's what's been going on except he went 13 to 17 from the line in game 3. Uh that's that's really good for him. That's well above his career average in free throw percentage. So, you know, the idea is even if in the past Giannis has his 40 points, he's going to get, you know, 15 to 18 free throws, but you don't have to worry about it because he's only going to make seven or eight of them. Uh, that wasn't the case in game three. He ended up making his free throws. So maybe that's what really brought that to Monty's attention because like, oh my gosh, like it it wouldn't be that, you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be that big of a deal for Giannis to go to the line 17 times if he was only shoot making 50% of them, which is, is that's right in his range, <laughs> Yeah, about was- 50%. Yeah, so, if he was 9 of 17, that would be one thing. But exactly. him being 13 of 17, you might want to go to a different strategy. And in that cut, I just I just loved how Monty, he was channeling his, his inner Popovich there. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny because we'll talk about that here in, uh, in a little bit because Monty was also asked about Popovich today, and not just Popovich, some of the other coaches he's worked in, with and played for in the past about, you know, influencing media during the finals and stuff like that and, and trying to, you know, play some games off the court that can that can really advantage your team when it comes down to a deep playoff run. But 
The Suns play with force and what Monty Williams means by the word force. It's not it's typically not the first play that we had in transition. You know, when we we get five guys back along with attacking the offensive glass and getting guys back, I know we're playing with force. Um 50-50 balls. You know, we couldn't come up with those balls. There was a play where Giannis dove, Devin got a, a palm on the ball. We couldn't get it. The ball hits Mikhail in the face. We couldn't get it. Cam Johnson had it. We couldn't get it. Giannis ends up with it and dunks the ball. Like those are the kinds of plays that we just could not make go our way when we're playing the way that we know we can play. Um, the offensive rebounding, you know, Torrey didn't have one. Uh, he's a guy that just falls into it. You know what I'm saying? And and then just both ends, just the relentless sprinting, uh, getting to the corners on offense, defensively getting back and showing a wall. That that was what we thought was inconsistent, and our players thought the same. When we watched film yesterday, they they were all in agreement. Um, when we do it, we give ourselves a chance to be successful. It's not the panacea for any you know uh, any stretch of the imagination, but it does help us. Um, play the way we want to play. Yeah, and basically, so what that means with with Monty Williams is that um, you know playing with force and do, it's the hustle plays, it's the aggressiveness, it's uh, you know not giving up a turnover in transition that leads to a three on the other end to start the game. Uh, it's it's stuff like that. It, to me, that means just doing the, all the little things right. Now you can do all those little things right and still lose a game. Obviously, it's the NBA. The other team could go off on a, a shooting tear um, and, and win the game. So that, that that's he, he, he wrapped that up by saying, look, playing with force is not the end-all, be-all, but that's what gets us in position to be successful on the floor. That's what gets us all those corner threes that we love to take. That's what gets the Andre Ayton, you know, freedom and a little bit of isolation to, to get to the basket. You know, that's what gets Cam Johnson, you know, sticking his business in P.J. Tucker's face on a posterized dunk. That's kind of what happens uh, <laughs> when, when you play with force. And that's what Monty Williams was alluding that he wants to see the Suns come out with in Game 4. A uh, lot of good stuff coming up on the rundown here. At, set, at 6.30, we're going to talk to Kevin Zimmerman, our very own Kevin Zimmerman of ArizonaSports.com, get his thoughts on some of uh, the comments made from the players and coaches today and his thoughts on Game 4. And then at 7.15, my man, John Bloom, Suns Radio Network, and our pre- and post-game show host on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Can't wait to talk to Bloomer. He always gets me fired up. So that's coming up. All that, we got a lot of Suns stuff coming up. And specifically next about the Phoenix Suns, we're going to talk a little bit uh, a big picture about what the Suns can do in, in involving Giannis and how they can slow down the, the Greek freak and the attack that he brings. That's next on The Rundown. Home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns finals coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA finals on the rundown. Uh, short memory. Just move on. Been there before. You know what I'm saying? Um, so just understanding that, understanding the game, understanding um, situations that that I've been through and just trusting the work that, that you've put in as simple as that. But, you know, my main objective out there is to, to win the basketball game. 
That's Devin Booker earlier today on bouncing back after a, a poor game. And it wasn't just him. It was a collection of of poor performances from the Phoenix Suns that led them to a 20-point loss in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Um, Devin Booker also asked what he could learn from last game without being too hard on himself. Just understand the task that's at hand. And, you know, simply you just have to be better if you want to win the game. Um, and that's obviously something I want and something this whole team and coaching staff and training staff want and this whole city wants. So, you know, I'd say it's a good pressure. You know what I'm saying? These are the moments that you, you prepare for and that you um, you train so hard for is what we're in right now. So, you know, you have to be excited about it. All right, Giannis is not necessarily Devin Booker's assignment, if you will, um, but but with a player that good, he affects everybody on the floor in, in one way or another, offensively or defensively. And, um, you know, Kellen Olsen was, asked a great question to Monty Williams today in, in the media availability about, I guess, the the, the balance in uh, d- defining how you how you defend Giannis without really having to uh, worry about other players the other players on the floor for the for the Bucks, and it's it's really hard to do. Yeah, it's not delicate at all. It's just it's a hard truth that you have to do both. You have to be able to show a wall, but also have the integrity of your defense intact on the other side. I mean, yeah, that's that's what a great player will do. The Suns figured out how to do it with Jokic in the Denver series, um, even though you know. Jokic had some some big some big nights and he was this year's league MVP. Suns didn't have any problem there. This Bucks team is obviously I think they're a lot better than than the Denver Nuggets are. They've got better players. They're more well rounded. Um, but but Giannis is definitely a problem, and you really you really have to worry about him at all times. If for if you're all five Suns players on the floor. That's really the guy you're thinking about because he's the guy who's going to score 40, and if he has a good free throw shooting night again in Game Four, it, it, we could be looking at another loss. I mean, it's one of those things. I I posted a, a poll question on the Burns and Gambo poll today, filling in for Sarah that if if Giannis has another 40 plus point night in Game Four, can the Suns still win that game? And the answer is yes, but realistically, I don't think so. Not in their house, not not the way things went in that in that uh game three. Not to say that the Suns will play as poorly as they did in game three, but I think at some point you gotta figure out a way to slow this down. I just find it hard to believe that a team is gonna have a player um on pace for NBA history. I don't know if anybody I'd have to look this up. I I I, I bet someone's done it before. Has anybody had three straight games of forty plus points in the NBA finals? Michael Jordan and Giannis was asked about that the other was he day. Really? I don't okay. know if I don't know if you heard this, uh, but it was the most ridiculous exchange between a reporter and a player I've ever heard. I can pull it up if you want me to. But it was like, do you think your Jordan's record of forty point games in the finals against the Suns is in jeopardy? And Giannis <laughs> was like, I don't know. I can't predict the future. <laughs> uh, he he. Giannis was probably just kind of caught off guard in that moment. Like, he probably didn't know that. Um, and, and, I mean, it, it makes sense that Jordan's had three straight 40-plus point games in the finals. And it was against the Suns. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's the that's the only one was Michael Jordan, right? 
And and Giannis is probably flirting Wilt with that. Chamberlain, probably Bill Russell. I'd have to go and do some deeper research yeah, on that. It, it's been a while since it's been done. It hasn't. It definitely hasn't been done in your lifetime, Jesse. So um, maybe mine, but <laughs> I don't think in your lifetime it's been done. So uh, yeah, the '93 Finals. You weren't alive then. It's five years from being born. Yes. Spencer. Oh my gosh, you're a child. I was three years old. Um, <laughs> but uh, and the one thing that. So, so you look at what the Suns are going to have to do offensively um, now, because one thing that that sort of uh, knocked off Chris Paul a little bit was was the off screen stuff at the top of the key, because Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker are such good defenders for the Bucks that they were they were able to really force him one way or the other. And and Chris Paul was asked about that today. Uh, you know what he thinks about about Drew's ability to defend him off the screen? I don't know. I feel like if you play this game long enough and you're a point guard, a lot of times you're not necessarily too worried about the guy that's guarding you. You know what I mean? If you're on a pick and roll and ain't but so much you can do. You're going to get over it. You're going to send me left. You're going to send me right. Or you're going to get under it. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's not that it's not that hard. They're either going to double you. The guy either going to chase you, you know, and this league is pretty consistent. They send you the same way your whole career, pretty much. Well, yeah, I mean that's just just basic scouting right there. CP3 knows which way he's going to be sent off screens with defenders trying to send him one way or another. But that's what the the Suns' screen game has been so good this year. And he talked about DeAndre Ayton's just he he actually praised DeAndre Ayton and his ability to set a screen because he mentioned that it was all about angles. And if you can get a defender to go one way, so I can go this way. That's how screens are effective. It's not something you think about. Like I played, I played basketball. I still mess around in the gym every now and then. Like I'm, I'm not good by any means. I'm, you know, I'm a golfer. I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete, but I'm a golfer. You know what I mean? But basketball is not really my thing. You always just think of setting screens as just getting in somebody's way. There's a lot more to it. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like whenever I've tried to set a screen on somebody, I'm just trying to get in the way. But in the in the association, obviously that's. It's not how it works. You got to force defenders away from your from whoever's handling the ball. So <laughs> just I'm just to, trying to screen people really hard. Yeah, just try to run them over basically. Because in pickup games, you're not calling moving screens. Like if you call a moving screen in a pickup game, you will literally get laughed off off the floor. They'll be like, "No, man, come on!" Like because you know you call your own fouls in like pickup games at the gym. Like if you foul somebody, you're like, oh, "I got him." You know, I got him. If you call a moving screen. <laughs> First of all, no one's going to see it, and second of all, no, just they'll be they'll get like get off the floor with that. That's that's not happening. All right, coming up next, Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com, uh, Suns reporter and also host of the Empire of the Suns podcast on ArizonaSports.com, is going to join us next on the Culture Automotive Group Sports Line. That's coming up on ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns Finals coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. Welcome back to the Rundown. I'm Spencer Keatsman in for Luke tonight. And um, got a very special guest now on the phone, our very own... Kevin Zimmerman of ArizonaSports.com joins us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. Kevin, good evening. It's been about, I don't know, four hours since I've seen you, I think. How you doing, sir? 
I'm doing well. Thanks for calling me special. It makes me feel special. Well, you are. You guys are doing a heck of a job, and I'm sure you've seen um, the Barrett Sports Media article that was published about our radio station today and, and website today. Did you not? I have not yet. Okay. I have not been around since I saw you last. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so for those who don't know, Barrett Sports Media is, is a is a website that basically talks about all things that are happening in, in the sports media and journalism world. And uh, Jason Barrett is actually the, the, the founder of, of that website. And they did a nice story about how uh, Arizona Sports and ArizonaSports.com has really, really uh, done, a, done a stellar job of covering the Suns and sort of owning the market when it comes to Suns coverage. So I wanted to start there, uh, Kev, just what, what this playoff run has been like for you professionally in covering this team and uh, just you know what, what we've been able to do here at this station and website has just been truly remarkable to give the fans the coverage that they deserve, right? Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And it's it really is just the Suns and I, I think the groundswell of support that they've always had and the fans that have been waiting, you know, a decade to see success. And they've lived through the Josh Jacksons, the Dragon Benders, um, the Brandon Knights, all those years where players just didn't live up to the billing and the teams didn't live up to the billing. And now you see what waiting means, um, and, and we already know how much history this team had before the last decade or so. So I think just what we've been able to do is really just tap into the interest, and that, that's easy from our end because, you know, me and Kellen Olsen, who have been um, primarily the Suns people on our site, like we, we've we been covering this team since uh, I've been on since 2011. Kellen's been on shortly after that, if not that long, and just – you know, you, you go through things professionally and it's kind of the same thing as the fans go through where they, they want to see good basketball. And even as a professional, even if you're objective, you just want to see good basketball. And I think we're seeing uh, awesome basketball series right now between the Suns and the Bucks. Yeah, man, there's, there's nothing worse than sitting there in, in post-game news conferences, you know, when the team's riding like a 12 game lose streak and you've got to do your job and, the coach still has whoever the coach is. There's been many of them that have had to answer the questions. It's just it's tough. You, you mean you're right. Uh, professionally, in covering a team when they're losing is is not easy. You know, it's it's still a great job, and you're still getting to do a great job. It's just like it, it's not the same. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to get sort of your 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 thoughts on 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 what this has been like for you to be able to uh, cover this team. But um, so the Suns met with the media today. Uh, we had Chris Paul, Devin Booker. And Monty Williams, and I, I, I think the biggest takeaway from the news conference was that uh, Monty basically said after the game, I don't want to talk about the officiating, but he did want to bring up, you know, facts that Giannis shot more free throws than the entire Suns team did in that game three. What were your takeaway from Monty's, what was your takeaway from his like follow up of what he was talking about after the game on uh, Sunday night? Yeah, in the moment, he said, I don't want to talk about it, but here are the numbers. And then it was it was a follow-up later in that post-game session where he said, you know, DeAndre, we have to help him by teaching him what the officials aren't calling. And, and he did say, you know, I, I can't tell. I don't really know the rules all the way. And he that's half complaining, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and today I took it genuinely. He didn't know whether he was you know, putting it out there that he was complaining. I think he was trying to avoid, you know, not just getting fined, but he doesn't want to criticize people. Um, But at the end of the day, like he has a job to do and he has to protect his guys. And I think 
at least mentioning the foul discrepancy is going to do that. And I don't know if he really consciously didn't realize that, but I, I think he did his job well either way. Yeah. Um, on the other end of that, I, I'm sitting here, I've been thinking about this too. Like, there's no way, I don't think it's possible to keep Giannis off the free throw line 17 times. Like, the guy is, he's just going to get fouled. That's just, that's just how, how it is. I mean, when you're that big and you're that strong and, you know, you're trying to guard him, he's really good at drawing contact. It's going to happen. Is there any way that, uh, you know, the Suns can keep him from getting to the line 17 times. But although I don't think you're you're really too concerned about it too much, getting him to the line, because he's not a good free throw shooter. He was the other night. But what do you do defensively for the Suns to keep him uh, off the free throw line? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think you have to give him credit. He's really just taken what he's good at and emphasized it. And he's kind of stopped taking jump shots and he's forced the issue. And right. that's part of basketball, right? So to me, I think just him, you know, driving hard, diving, D.A., if D.A. was not in foul trouble, I think that that would have been a different story and he would have missed more shots. He would have avoided drawing fouls because D.A. honestly has been pretty good about just taking contact and making guys miss. So to me, it really is just sticking to your defensive principles, doing the best you can and and living with it because we've seen him score 40, close to 50 points and the Suns have won games that way. Yeah, De- or uh, Chris Paul said earlier today that Giannis, when he gets the ball the, at the top of the key, or even, you know, sometimes he'll get a rebound and just dribble down the court and score within like five, six seconds. Like he's just that, that's just the kind of guy he is. He likes to attack. Chris Paul said he's like a running back in the NFL that's running downhill. You just, you cannot stop him. You can only just try to get in his way or disrupt him. And that's kind of what Monty talks about, you know, getting in his way, getting in his way. Um, without drawing a foul, but defensively for the Suns, how do you, you know, if you think about the, I guess it's a double-edged sword, you know, if you key on Giannis, you know, you leave other guys open, and that's what happened the other night. There's really no, there's really no balance, or delicate balance, if you will, uh, is what Kellen Olsen asked Monty about today, is there? Yeah, yeah, and and Kellen used the word delicate, and Monty was just like, there is no delicate, you have to defend the three, and you have to help. Um, which is a funny exchange there too again. But, yeah, it's it's really just limiting the opportunities. If he's in the half court and you have your defense set, he's not going to want to because he has drawn fouls in the past um, against offensive fouls, excuse me. He's picked up offensive fouls against teams that are in the half court stopping him. So what what does that mean? It's not turning it over, um, letting them even get secondary opportunities. It's not giving them – you know, second chance points because if he catches it in the lane against a scrambling defense that's out of place, you know, it, it's kind of over. So mm-hmm. if you take all those opportunities away, you slow it down at least going that way um, where the Bucks have the ball, then I, I think you can survive and you can say, okay, we're going to let you try to drive. And if he kicks and we get a contested three, give up a contested three, that's something that we'll live with too. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's just whether or not they make those shots, and uh, you know you, you, the Suns have shown they can they can let Giannis score forty plus and still win the basketball game. They did it in game two. I just don't know if you can do it for you know a third straight night. And you know when you if he scores forty on uh, tomorrow night, that's Michael Jordan territory of three straight NBA Finals games with forty plus points. I mean that would just be insane. I I find it hard to believe that the Suns are going to win in Milwaukee with Giannis scoring 40-plus points. Do you see it going that way as well? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that just because we've seen Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday kind of break out of their slumps, and I thought last game the real big key for the Bucks was Bobby Portis. You know, he really killed the Suns, yeah. especially when they were small. Um, just offensive boards, physicality, they just don't match up with him well, but they do match up with him well if D.A. is on the court um, most of the game. And so I think, again, that was a big swing. Um, but then again, you say Booker plays a little bit better. Mikel Bridges doesn't go from playing his best playoff game to playing his worst playoff game. Um, that game, that 20-point deficit's a lot closer, I think. You know, I, I saw it game three as an effort problem, to be honest. Right. I know that's an easy, lazy thing to say, but you just look at where they were – um, getting beat, it was effort plays, loose balls. It was just not great defense, honestly, and not great getting over screens, that kind of little thing. And that all just piled up into 20-point loss. Yeah, we're talking with Kevin Zimmerman of ArizonaSports.com here on the rundown. Um, you know, I never thought that the absence of Dario Saric was going to be as as big a deal as it seemed or as uh, the ESPN commentators Mike Breen and Mark Jackson made it seem like during the broadcast of Game 3, they talked about that quite a bit, that not having Dario and having to play Frank Kaminsky was was a problem, and it seems like it is. And I'm just wondering, from your perspective, does Monty have any options he can do to fill that role? They don't really have another player on their bench that is, is similar to Dario Saric, do they? No, and I don't want to nitpick James Jones because obviously he got this team (laughs) reassembled into a finals team. Um, But, you know, when we had all this time to look at a winning team, if we had to have picked um, a weakness, it was when they got rid of Damian Jones early in the season, didn't really replace him as a true center behind DA. That was kind of a a minor, minor Mm -hmm. red flag, I guess you could say. Um, So if they play small, it's it's Torrey Craig's good enough to get rebounds he didn't get one he did not look super healthy coming off that knee issue um frank i don't know if you can buy minutes and to me it's more like okay if you go small how can you beat them in other ways if they're going to kill you on the glass can you run out on them um do you go super small do you go with three guards and try to play a book with campaign and chris Mm -hmm. paul just to make i don't know make those Bucks guard and kind of just get them off kilter. Do you have to do anything that drastic? Monty hasn't done anything super drastic these playoffs, so um, it'll be interesting to yeah. see. I mean, he's really stuck to his guns as far as chess matching, and he has no reason to go away from them because the losses they've had, even game three, um, you go back to the Clippers, the bad loss there, I think that was game five. Lots of them have just been easy fixes where you can see effort. Maybe they just mm-hmm. didn't have it, which obviously you don't like, but I think they're in an okay place as long as they come out and realize the stakes here. Yeah. Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com. Thanks for coming on, my man, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and enjoy the basketball game tomorrow night. we got a big one. Game four, buddy. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right. That's Kevin Zimmerman, ArizonaSports.com, providing great content for not only web but social as well for ArizonaSports.com. So go check him out there at ArizonaSports.com or on the Arizona Sports app. All right, coming up next, the Suns' offensive game plan, it's going to remain the same, uh, according to what Chris Paul said to the media earlier today. You know, they just, they lost a game. It it happens, but they can't change what they're going to do. They have a pretty good idea of how they know they can win this series, and 
bring home an NBA title. So that's what's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns Finals coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the Rundown. We're going to keep, you know, trying to build a wall. He's coming full speed every every play, you know, like a running back coming downhill. You know, Coach has this saying, we just say we try to get in his way. He's able to do that because he's surrounded by some really good players too, you know, because you have Middleton out there on the wing. You got Lopez out there shooting it, and you got Drew Holiday and all these other guys. So we're just going to keep, um, you know, stick stick with our game plan and see what we can do. Yeah, that's Chris Paul talking earlier today about stopping Giannis uh, for the Bucks and figuring out a way to do it and if it can be done at all because the guy has been absolutely unstoppable. But the game plan hasn't changed. The Suns are going to stick to their guns. They're going to keep doing what, they, what they're doing. They're going to try to figure out a way to get back to uh, the stellar performances that were Game 1 and Game 2 in this series. And it's just a little bit different animal on the road. And the Suns... I'll say this, that that Bucks crowd the other night, they, they haven't faced this all year. Um, the Lakers, the L.A. crowd, get out of here. Like, they're not loud. Come on. You know, they would pan, like, to the to the crowd in the Clippers series when, let's say, the Clippers were going on, like, a 10-0 run when normally the Phoenix Suns arena would just be going absolutely, you know, crazy. And the the L.A. Clippers fans, some of them were, like, still sitting down, just, like, sitting there. L.A. is not – that's not an intimidating crowd in L.A. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean – When the Lakers are really good, yes, it can be, but uh, no. Yeah, like, for a full house, like, Lakers finals game or something, that can be a pretty intense environment to go into. Um, but they live, they arrive late because I don't know if you've ever been to L.A., but it's not a fun place to get around. Um, been there. And then, uh, y- you know, like, the Clippers crowd, like – they were so late arriving. Like that that was like half capacity until the second quarter, and then they were quiet until about three minutes left in the game. Yeah. Well well the point is is Milwaukee is is one of those very, very the whole state of Wisconsin, I should say, is a very, very passionate like sports state for literally every sport. They love them all. They don't really play favorites, I don't think, towards any sport. If I had to lean to anything, I I would say that they're pretty pretty Packers heavy. Pretty Wisconsin football heavy, um, and then you've got all your other teams. You, you know, you got Milwaukee, you got the Brewers, you got the Bucks, um, you've got uh, all the amateur or yeah, amateur and college hockey. Wisconsin is a sports state, and when they get a good team, they they really care. <laughs> they get Espe- a bad team, they especially care. in in summertime, coming off of COVID, where they weren't able to do anything. For a long time, like this, this their fan base there is just as jacked as the Suns fan base is. Like, there's no question ab- about that. And you see that they had eighteen thousand fans in the arena the other night with twenty five on the streets outside of it. Now you can't do that here in July because it's one hundred and ninety four degrees outside and like outdoor, big outdoor gathering watch parties, not ideal in Phoenix in July. So, but Milwaukee's if you get if they win this game. And their fans start getting hype, and this team starts thinking they can win this series. Look out, guys. This changes everything. The Suns need to win this game so they don't have to go back there. 
by winning this game, you you don't guarantee that you're not going back there, but you got a better chance of not going back there than than if you lose this game. So if you lose this game, no matter what, you're going back to Milwaukee. And you, you don't can, want that. And you can potentially silence the crowd, and then you're just playing, you know, easy basketball. If if they go up big, you know, and then you're just then you're just silencing the crowd, and then that's like not even playing on the road, even even in a tough environment like that, they're not going to go crazy with uh, down 30 or something. Yeah, well, th- this is really the first time in the postseason where the crowd for the other team, not the Suns, the Suns have had the crowd the whole way, obviously, and that's been the advantage, but for the other team is a factor. This is the first time. It wasn't a factor with the Lakers, um, I I guess in Denver, not really, because the Suns were up by a thousand in all those games. Like those games were over, going into the fourth quarter. So like like they they didn't really face a a, a crowd issue there. But now now you've got the Bucks who are getting leads at home, and the crowd's becoming a factor. You, it definitely was a factor the other night. So that's all I'm saying is we, we got to look out for that because you win this game on uh, tomorrow night you've got a very good chance that you don't have to go back there to win a title. And that's not what you want to do. You do not want to have to go back there looking for another win. So they just got to figure out a way to get this done and figure out a way to uh, to disrupt Giannis a little bit and, you know, limit. I, I, w- I wouldn't say, you know, fully contain him because that's not going to happen. Just limit a little bit of his production. And um, Chris Paul was asked about the respect he gets. Uh, you know, Chris Paul's he's seen a lot of players. He's seen a lot of players throughout his career that are overhyped, over respected, and he's seen a lot of players that don't nearly get the respect that they deserve. And a lot of people in Milwaukee are kind of salty about this. They think Giannis is a little uh I wouldn't say undervalued, but definitely not as respected as they think he should be. Chris Paul responded. I mean, he's a two time MVP. Regardless how he score, he do it. You know what I mean? He come down there, he dunk, he dunk some more, and he shoot layup. You know what I mean? So it it is what it is, and I I think you got to figure out a way to stop him. You know, we have to try to figure out a way to to slow him down. And um, for us, you know, slowing down or not for us is win the game, win the game. Like I I don't care what the stat sheet looked like after the game, win the game. So for for him. I mean, he, he's a two-time MVP, so we, we got to deal with him as such. That being said, when, when he does, say, pull up from behind that line and do the kinds of things that, that uh, you know, that drive some of the fans crazy, like when you're on the court, are you going, all right, go ahead. Like, that's what, that's what we need. I mean, listen, we all got our specialties. You know what I mean? Like, they not clearing the lane, let me try to go dump. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not what I do. You know, so at the end of the day, we, we, we always going to play the percentages. I might have like half a dunk on the season right now, so you figure that out. Half a dunk. How do you have half a dunk? Does it like go in and then back out? Is that what a half a dunk is? I don't know. I think it's kind of like one of those where you might throw it up there and it rolls around the rim and you kind of come down and grab the rim a little bit. And, you know, it's not it's not really a dunk, but it, it's kind of a, a dunk. Or maybe he's counting that pregame warm-up dunk. I think that's in, okay. that was in game one of the first round. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him dunk, now that I think about it. I didn't think he could anymore. And then oh, I saw he definitely that dunk, can. And I'm he, like, he can dunk. wow, this 36-year-old, six-foot-tall Chris Paul can still dunk. Yeah, man, he's an athlete. Uh, 
He can definitely dunk. I just I don't think I've seen it in a game. I've seen everybody on that team dunk the basketball, but him. Um, yeah, he's just a laid off the glass, old school kind of guy. I like it. Even even if he's got a wide open breakaway with nobody around him, he'll still just go up there and lay it off the glass. That's old school, baby. Get your two points. Doesn't matter how it looks. <laughs> oh man! All right, coming up on the other side, uh, hour number two of the rundown. Jesse's going to give me the rundown reload, all the top sports stories of the day. And in the All-Star game right now, it's 4-1. to The American League is up 4-1 to in the top of the sixth. And it looks like Whit Merrifield is up to bat right now. And uh, he's a good hitter, so we'll see if he gets a hit. But, um, yeah, we'll keep you updated on the All-Star game and what's going on there. I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a home run about 598 feet, something like that, out of Coors Field. And uh, JT Real Muto for the Phillies also has a home run. So, um, yeah, the All-Star game is going on. That game's over on ESPN 620. We'll be right back on the Rundown 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Welcome back to the Rundown. My name is Spencer Keatsman, in for Luke Lipinski. Jesse Morrison... Producer tonight, he's going to give us the rundown reload. All right, Spencer, uh, the first and the, the biggest story of the day, obviously, in the state of Arizona and state of Wisconsin, at least, and probably around the country. I have no idea. What is it? The Suns <laughs> and the Bucks resume the NBA Finals tomorrow at 6 p.m. Arizona time mm-hmm. with Game 4, Suns lost last game. By a big margin. Mm-hmm. So what do you see happening tomorrow? Well, I, I do see the Suns winning this basketball game. Um, you know, there's all... Uh, this is just ridiculous. But I, I know people who have thrown the, the the conspiracy out to me that they want to get another game back here for uh, revenue purposes in terms of <laughs> ticket sales, everything. And yes, the Suns would make more money with an extra game here if then <laughs> If they hadn't gone up there and swept, you know, obviously. But so we will get another game here. Everyone's saying, oh, that that look what the Lightning did. The Tampa Bay Lightning get it. They tanked in a game in Canada because they couldn't have any fans so they could come home and do it. That was pretty obvious, by the way, that they did. Um, eh, some know. people. Oh, come on. I don't I think they were mad that the mayor said what the mayor said and they just. I think they tried, but... Yeah, because the mayor was basically like, lose a game so you can come home and win it in front of your fans. Yeah, that was... (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) Did you know that the last team outside of... the Who was the last team outside of Tampa or Los Angeles to win the championship? Do you know the answer to this? This was brought to my attention today, and I thought it was interesting because I was like, wow, you're right. Kansas City Chiefs. That's right, yeah. Yeah, wow. that's that was the last team outside of Tampa or Los Angeles in any major sport to win a championship. All right, yeah, how about well, that? But no, I do see the Suns winning this game. Uh, I, I think that the, I don't. I wouldn't want to say fatigue was the word the other night, but you can just tell these guys are out of gas, man. They've been playing a lot, a lot, a lot of games in a very short period of time because of the late start to this season. It is really starting to add up. Um, and I, I, not to say that Milwaukee is not having the same fatigue issues as well, but I just think that the Suns were a little tired. And, you know, they got to a point where when you get up 2-0 in a series, 
you can afford to drop a game. You know, you can afford to punt one. You know, they they clearly punted in the fourth quarter. That game was over. Um, yeah. And, you know, they took Booker out. They were resting him. Uh, Monty took him out. Chris Paul got taken out. So, like, that's they, – they, you know, it was great coaching by Monty to realize, oh, you know, we're down by 24 right now with 10 minutes left. This probably isn't going to happen. Let me sit these guys. Let me get them some rest. So I think the Suns will come out um, with a lot more fire, a lot more refreshed. They know that they got punched in the mouth in the first quarter on the road, and they all know what that feels like, and I don't think they're going to let it happen again. All right, so the number two story here in the Rundown Reload is that the Team USA men's basketball team bounced back tonight with a 108-80 win over Argentina. They, you know, that that's more of what we're accustomed to with this uh, Team USA men's basketball team. Yeah, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care right now. I'm sorry. I mean, team, the Suns are in the NBA Finals, and we've got you know Team USA basketball. That's great. Those are for all the losers. The other you know thirty loser teams that that aren't in the NBA Finals, well, they Booker's can they play. can watch that. Yeah, I know, but he's not right now. He's in the NBA Finals. Like, That's I, true. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to downplay. Like, yes, I, once the Olympics start, once we get going, like, and once you know world basketball gets going, I'll get excited about it. But right now, I, I just don't care. That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad as an American when we lose, and I am saying we because it is the country that I live in. And you know when when the most yeah dominant- you can say we when it's about your country yeah. on the radio yeah but you can't say we when referring to another team otherwise people think you're a homer right yes so I'm, I'm, but they they say we on I've heard respectable people say we of course all the time yeah. trust me it used to bother me but it doesn't but, anymore but yeah, I've so, gotten used to it so yeah I mean I don't know when they're when we're throwing out seven all-stars and they're losing to Matthew Delavadova and Patty Mills and Joe Ingles then I get a little upset because we're supposed to dominate that thing it's an exhibition right yes yeah who cares those I players think we should dominate. those players don't care they just <laughs> got most of them just got done with their seasons yeah like they're they're you know they're e- either tired still or or coming off the couch, like <laughs> you know these countries. A lot of these countries really really care about this. I don't know that the United States cares a whole lot about Team USA basketball. I know there's a uh, you know a small like a packet a pocket of people that do, but I don't know that we care about it as much as other countries do. And yet we're better than them. We need to come home because you. I don't, I don't think Americans care about their country sports like like Europeans do or like a lot of the Asian countries do. I don't think they care no as much. No. Like Italy winning the Euro Cup, that's a huge deal obviously, yeah. but like we care more about what our actual franchises and professional teams do than yeah. than what the country does. Like I think there's a reason why you know for the longest time the United States has been so bad in the World Cup in soccer. Not it's. I think a lot of it is because one, we don't have the best players. I think you know the best players, the best soccer players come from other countries. Um, but two, I just don't think a lot of people really care. And I know there's big time soccer fans out there that are going to be like, "Oh no, no, no!" We US you know big watch parties. I'm like, not many people really care. In the grand scheme of things, not a lot of people care about USA Olympic sports. I care about. I mean, I. I really like when the U.S. women's national team is playing because they're really good. But the men's national team for soccer is 
really bad, so I don't really care, and I'm not somebody that just rides with the bandwagon team, but I just don't find them fun to watch. So. Now, there are sports that people gravitate, uh, like non-team sports, uh, that Americans care about. Yeah. Like, for example, who's the most decorated Olympian of all time? Michael Phelps. Yes. I mean, is swimming a team sport? No, he's no. in a lane by himself. Like, yeah. I guess, you know, you're doing relays and whatever, but... Uh, like, like track, swimming, gymnastics. I, right. I like. The guy's got 23 gold medals himself. Like, that kind of greatness Americans can gravitate to, but with Team USA basketball, I just think we show up expecting to win, and we do, except for this exhibition game. But uh, the team in general, uh, Jesse, I, I I do like the team. I think they've, they ended up assembling a pretty a pretty good squad. And you always worry about that, especially on a year like this where the NBA season took so long. You were, I think you, Popovich was probably worried about who he could actually get to play on this team. Yeah. And all right, well, we have three more stories, but I will put this one into two. Uh, last night was the Home Run Derby. I thought that was the greatest Home Run Derby I've ever watched in my life. I thought it was, <laughs> it was un- unbelievable, I think. The first round between Shohei and Juan Soto was unbelievable. And mm-hmm. then you had Pete Alonso just stole the show, I thought. Oh, yeah. Um, and tonight you have the uh, AL leading again. They seem to always win this All-Star game. And they're they're winning 5-1, to one, two outs at the bottom of the second. So what have you just made of this entire All-Star festivities? I think it's been awesome. Well, I've, I don't like that it's in Colorado for a lot of reasons. <laughs> we won't get into that. And I was watching the uh, – they honored – they had a great Hank Aaron tribute who passed away this year. Um, and, you know, his his wife was on the field there in Coors Field in Denver, and I just was thinking to myself the whole time how cool that would have been to actually have that in Atlanta. But that's besides the point. The festivities have been good. Um, I, I, I liked the home run derby last night. That, that drama was pretty incredible. And especially because we started to see guys get a little tired being at altitude, yeah. and um, I uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was great entertainment, and it's one of those things that you didn't even have to really watch live. Like you can go back and watch the condensed version of it, which I did, and and it's still just as exciting. And uh, the, the, when Alonzo he was down, uh, what like ten home runs with like a minute thirty left, and then extra time was that right to Trey Mancini? Yes. yes. Yeah. Shout out wow. Trey Mancini, by the way. Well, That's yeah, a great, story. great, incredible story. And yeah, I just Carl Roberts was like, one, two, three, four. It was so electric. Just like he was just like basically counting uh, the home runs for Peter. Did Alonso. you notice what they changed this year? They have the umpire standing behind the plate <laughs> telling the pitcher when he can throw a ball because you're not supposed to throw it until it lands. No, until no, the one they, you they hit lands. They changed that rule so they, right? they can throw it. Went before it lands, that that's the new rule. Really? Yes, you can throw you can throw it before it lands. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. That's right. I did. Uh, it's insane. I yeah. noticed something like that was weird. All right, what's the final one? The final one is Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals quarterback. All right, I haven't was, talked about the Cardinals in forever. I know football. It still exists. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Cardinals quarterback, was ranked in the top ten of QBs in the NFL by a poll of ESPN NFL personnel. Okay. So I think the last poll that I I saw had him at like maybe fourteen or fifteen. So um, it's clickbait season for the NFL. So all this stuff is coming out. Uh, yeah, I don't know that he's a top ten quarterback yet. I still think that there's a lot of meat left on that bone, 
in terms of what he needs to prove that he he uh, is. The skill set clearly there. Um, everyone still, for whatever reason, is is questioning the work ethic and if he wants this and how good he wants to be. Um, I think that there's still some questions out there about Kyler Murray. Um, but, yeah, the skill set has the potential to be a top-10 quarterback. Do I agree with that? That I'd have to see the list, Jesse, but I no. He's not yet a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. He's Interesting. Not. I, yeah. I would probably put him number 10 in the league. Number, but just, I, just to throw him in that top yeah, 10. just to throw him he's, in that top He's 10. right there, but um, I, I just don't think he's he's quite yet top 10 material. So they got to make the playoffs for that to happen. So All right, coming up next, John Bloom, Suns Radio Network and host of the postgame show for the Phoenix Suns right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. He's going to get me fired up. I can just feel it. Every time I have Bloomer on, he gets me fired up. So that's next. I'm Spencer Keatsman on The Rundown. The home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns Finals coverage presented by Nicolo Baltra. Talking NBA Finals on The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Spencer Keatsman, and I am right above it like Lil Wheezy there, Lil Wayne, bringing us back. And joining me now on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line is John Bloom of the Suns Radio Network and the host of the Suns postgame show that has become world-famous John Bloom this year for the Phoenix Suns. How's it going? World-famous, really? Yeah, enlighten me. How, how have we hit the rest of the world? Well, I, you know, the, the Suns are worldwide right now, baby. I mean, the, it seems like everyone <laughs> loves this team, so therefore they love you. That's just the way it goes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll take it by association, Spencer, and uh, <laughs> good to be with you uh, on an off night, although I, I would prefer it being a game night. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait for game four. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it feels weird that we don't have one. We've got the two-day gap. but um, So I've got John Rahm in my – he was my first pick in my British Open pick'em thing that I'm doing. Uh, am, well I, am I safe there uh, for John Rahm at Royal St. George's? Oh, I, I love it. I think it's a great call. Who's more confident than that guy right now? And not to mention uh, a more sentimental favorite. But, uh, you know, this is a golf course. I don't know how much you know about it, but I remember looking into it when I knew that the Open was there uh, because I don't know a lot uh, about Royal St. George's. And so I don't think a lot of players do either. And so why not pick the guy that's uh, on fire? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the first time. It hasn't been in England in a while, I don't think. Um, no, it's been in Ireland and Scotland a bunch, but I can't remember the last time it was in England. So, uh, yeah, I like that. That's my pick and I'm sticking with it. So, and my pick tomorrow night is the Phoenix Suns. What do the Suns have to do to make that happen? I mean, the obvious answer is Giannis trying to figure out how to contain the animal that he is. Um, but it's just, it's just not possible. I mean, are all the indications, you know, pointing towards, we're looking at another 40 plus point night from Giannis. Well, it's interesting because, you know, obviously we, we can, we've seen both things happen. We've seen Giannis go off and the Suns win by double digits, and we've seen Giannis go off and the Bucks boat race the Suns in game three. I think Giannis most likely will go off again. That's, he's in a mode right now. He looks healthy. He's very difficult to stop no matter what. And uh, obviously if DeAndre Ayton can do a better job of, of defending without fouling, um, and the Suns can get more of a benefit of the whistle, then that will help uh, defending Giannis. But I don't think there is a situation where the Suns are going in saying, we're going to absolutely shut Giannis down. He's not getting anything against mm-hmm. us tonight. I don't think that's realistic, right? 
No, it's not. I mean, no one's been able to do it. Um, and, and, you know, the Suns faced a guy like Jokic. They faced Jokic earlier in the playoffs. So they've had experience of going up against, you know, a, a big man that's just a total force. Um, but you got to figure out a way to not only contain him, but maybe keep uh, some of the other guys from hitting so many open jumpers. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the, the, uh, the, the fouls. I know Giannis got to the free throw line 17 times the other night. The Suns got to the line 16 times. That's something that Monty brought up. And I think his tactic for just for bringing that up was just to sort of try and, and defend his guys. I don't think he was pointing fingers at any officials because you can't or you'll, you'll get fined. Um, but I, I think that that was his tactic there, which is, to me, a little strange because Monty's not really the guy, kind of guy who's going to use the media to uh, sort of, I guess, fire his team up or make a point like that. Exactly. That that hasn't been his M.O. at least, but you get into a final series and it's almost like it's got to happen. Like it, it's, it's almost like a coach has to uh, speak up for his team. It's not just this year, Spencer. I know you've seen this stuff happen before. Mm-hmm. And remember where Monty comes from and one of you know his mentors might be the best at it in, in manipulating the referees, and that being Greg Popovich. Oh, yeah. so you know he took notes. Uh, in his time with San Antonio from what Pop did. Uh, and he's taken notes from other coaches as well. And that's not his MO. He's not going to normally come out and complain. Uh, and during games especially, he, he often stays quiet over there on the sidelines, and some fans don't love that element. But uh, you know what? Look, for the most part, it's worked. I think he, he does command respect. I don't know if the Suns are going to get a better whistle in game four. I wouldn't anticipate it. Uh, so they just have to handle it better, and they've got to be able to stay available, especially guys like D.A. Yeah, no no kidding. And um, obviously Booker with the off-night shooting, I think we all look at that as just sort of an anomaly. Like, that that wasn't him. Uh, he's had a couple in the playoffs, but most times he's obviously been the star that he is. Um, and and Chris Paul is, has praised DeAndre Ayton and he, all, all postseason. He did it again today, saying that guy is amazing at setting screens. You know, he can create the angles that I need to, you know, move one guy the other way so I can go this way. But Milwaukee was really good at defending him in game three. Uh, and Monty also brought that up. He's talked about that a little bit. And, and Chris Paul was really getting frustrated with what Drew Holiday and Middleton and P.J. Tucker were doing off those screens. Um, d- you don't see the Suns changing the game plan and, and what's going to work offensively to get this done. I, you don't change that after one loss in a series, right? And I think you see, you know, that obviously there was an expectation that a lot of those guys, uh, the Bucks role players, Middleton, Holiday being mainly, uh, you know, probably top of that list, were going to be better at home. They just always have been better at home, and it was true. They were significantly better at home. Uh, and so the expectation is for them to probably, uh, you know, continue to, to at least contribute on a higher level. I'm not sure you're going to see exactly like a replica performance from those guys from what they did in game three, because I think the Suns are going to, you know, make it more of a a mission to stop them. And uh, like we talked about before, you can't go in with the the mindset that you're going to absolutely shut down Giannis, but maybe you can make it harder on that supporting cast than you did in game four. And a lot of that has to do with the momentum, with them getting a lift from their own crowd, which was off the charts, much like we anticipated it. Just like I've talked to a bunch of other people, Spencer. You know, when you can talk about a team that's never won it, and the Suns are obviously in that class, they've never won it, it's not really that much different than the Milwaukee Bucks fan base and how they feel, because most of those people that are in the Deer District and in the building weren't alive when the Bucks won it either. 
So they feel like they've never won it, too. And that's why there's such a hunger from both these fan bases. And uh, I think that's added an extra level of intensity, no doubt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, John Bloom is always bringing the intensity on, on the postgame show. Um, so, uh, Bloomer, real quick, I'll get you out of here on this. I, I saw an article, uh, Barrett Sports Media today basically did a story on our station and uh, on the website for the, the, the coverage that um, we've done with the Suns and how uh, our station has done a really good job of, I wouldn't say cornering the market, but making, uh, you know, 98.7 the go-to place for the Phoenix Suns throughout this playoffs. And uh, just, you know, you're, you've been a big part of it, obviously, with the postgame show. Um, does, when you see something like that or hear something like that, uh, what, what does that mean to you? Just uh, knowing that a lot of what uh, everyone here at the station has done is being recognized in terms of uh, the, the Suns' coverage throughout this postseason. Oh, I love it. I think it's, it's great to be a part of it. You know, we've got such a talented staff there. I know you feel that way too, Spencer. And, and when you get an opportunity, you know, you fit right in there uh, and pick up where everybody else is, like Luke, who's normally on at this time, is leaving off. And uh, I think that's what shows, you know, it's kind of like the Suns with the depth that this basketball team has. You know, if, if you have guys go on vacation at the radio station, the guys who are filling in know their stuff too. They're pros. Uh, and it's a staff full of pros, and it starts at the top. Uh, led all the way down, and, and it's been just such a pleasure to be a part of it. I think it's a big thing, uh, you know, that this community is rallying around this basketball team, and it's awesome that uh, we've got a station uh, th- that we get to, you know, call, uh, I guess, home in some right. aspects and work in other aspects, but uh, definitely be a part of this great team is, is phenomenal. Absolutely, Bloomer, and you've been a part of it for a long time, so uh, get out of here, enjoy the rest of your off night. We'll uh, definitely hear you on the radio tomorrow night, my man. Enjoy it. All right, Spencer, look forward to it and can't wait for a little early morning British Open action. Let's do it. We've got that coming up, too. This is quite a weekend coming up for all of us. Set those alarms early and get up and watch. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'll see you later. See you later, Bloomer. All right, take it easy. All right, John Bloom, Suns Radio Network and uh, uh, host of the Suns postgame show on 98.7, apparently calling us from a tin can. (laughs) Do you want some hashtag inside info? Yeah, we, he was making bacon. That made that much noise? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> no way. I heard it like, sizzling was, in the background. Was he making like 10 pounds of bacon? That I've made bacon and oh, talked on the bacon, phone before. Bacon, Brussels sprouts, potatoes. Oh, so he's and, he's in the cooking kitchen. He's like, in there he's, just like Yeah, he's he's, it. he's on the phone while he's cooking Brussels sprouts. I love that. That's multitasking. I'm an awesome cook. I can't do it while I'm on the phone. I get distracted and he did a radio interview while doing it. That's John Bloom's talented, man. I expect a full My goodness. I expect a full meal next time. Yeah, Bloom, if you're still here. listening, send me a picture of 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 what you made. I want to check it out. See uh see how this turned out cuz that's that's awesome. I'm a big Brussels sprouts guy. I love them. I love asparagus. Take. You just alienated a bunch of the audience. No, I didn't. Dude, Brussels sprouts are great. You oh. grill them. Put a little salt and pepper on them. Come on now. Come on, son. You don't like them? No. no. They're, they're a weed. Do you eat any vegetables? Yes. Do, you, vegetables. do you like asparagus? I'll eat it. Yeah. Grilled asparagus is my stuff, dude. That's that's what's up. All right. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the All-Star game. There, The story of Major League Baseball so far this year, No, there's been a lot of really good players. Shohei Otani has been the story. Um, what he's doing has been absolutely amazing. And there is one guy that's a national broadcaster on the four-letter network that doesn't understand his greatness. We're going to talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The 
Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And I understand that baseball is an international sport itself in terms of participation. But when you talk about an audience gravitating to the tube or to the ballpark to actually watch you, okay, I don't think it helps that the number one face is a dude that needs an interpreter so you can understand what the hell he's saying in this country. Yeah, that's um, that's Stephen A. and uh, his his comments that he made about Shohei Otani the other day on his show on ESPN. And um, first off, uh, the the, the Otani story is is he's such a great story. I mean, Jeff Passan went on to defend him basically by saying he came to this country, left his culture behind, left his family behind for the American dream, and he's living the American dream. He's one of the best players in baseball. He leads the league in home runs right now with 33. He's got 80 80 RBIs or something crazy. I think 70 RBIs at this point of the season at the halfway mark. He's been absolutely remarkable. So the fact that he doesn't speak English, um, I've heard he knows a little bit of it. He just doesn't speak it publicly. He's not comfortable. It's not his native tongue. Um, that That should have nothing to do with why fans gra- will gravitate towards Shohei Otani. And this is the problem. I don't I don't necessarily I wouldn't call what Stephen A said racist. It's very very insensitive and defensive. Um is is what it is. Especially to the man himself, Shohei Otani, because I I none of us have ever had to experience. I mean, it's, I'm sure there are listeners out there who have lived in other countries before and have had to adapt to cultures not many i haven't had to do it um it's it's a lifestyle change that uh, for a very young person to have to go through and experience adapt to a, a brand new culture because let's be honest japanese culture is way 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 different than a lot of the world um so coming to a a, a new country and and exp- and having to live uh, and, a, and a new sort of lifestyle, if you will, and play baseball where you're a really good player and you're in the spotlight every time you hit the mound or take the plate because he does both and he's very good at both. The The issue here is from from a network standpoint with ESPN, why is Stephen A talking about baseball? Every time he does, it seems like he's saying something that just either isn't correct or controversial. Um, something. I, I mean, he he, his thing is, and this is not to defend him at all, but his thing is that he's got to have a word on every sport. And why? And I, I don't know. That's he doesn't watch baseball. He does not care. Big Yankee fan. Come on. Like, he watches. I mean, I he's think not. Wa- he's not sitting he down watches. and watching the Yankees every night. That's just no. I don't think he's sitting. I think the problem with him is that he's not sitting down and watching anything every night because he's going home tired and going to bed. I understand but, yeah. that, but the, the point is, it, it's not even that. He doesn't care about baseball. That show, and Max Kellerman, those, they don't watch baseball. They don't care. Why, why talk about something that you don't care about? Are you forced to do it? I know ESPN and Major League Baseball have uh, some sort of contract. They do the Monday night games. They do this, you know, Sunday night baseball. So there, there is content there that's on ESPN 
Um, but you, you know, I, I feel like the the best part about sportscasters is they stick to what they know and what they're really really good at. Like they're not bringing on Kirk Herbstreit to talk about you know Major League Baseball. Like everybody has their own individual uh, avenues of experience and and interest for that matter. And Stephen A's is not baseball. What? So a couple weeks ago he comes on. There's there's some backstory to this. He doesn't understand the Shohei Otani hype. By the way, he doesn't get the Otani hype. Um, he came on a couple weeks ago and he basically said he doesn't understand the hype of a guy who is only hitting two seventy four. <laughs> And and it's like, dude, do you not know that he's throwing 98 gas on the mound, striking people out, hitting 33 home runs? Like, that's that's the hype, bro. You don't understand that? You're looking at his batting average? I'm looking at how many times the ball flies out of the yard. I'm looking at how many runs he's knocked in. I'm looking at how hard he's throwing the ball on the mound. This dude's doing it all, and you don't understand that hype? And then you come out and say that you don't know if it's the best thing for Major League Baseball because he doesn't speak English? Yeah, and and that's Come on, a, dude. Nobody does what Otani's doing. Yeah, it's it's a really bad thing too. And it's there's a history of this in baseball like with writers and stuff of writing columns about players, you know, and their language barriers and stuff. Um there's been interpreters for years. Yeah. Ichiro had an interpreter. Yeah, and he was he could speak English. He's perfectly. a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, it didn't take away from his star. So I don't know. This was just a completely uninformed uh, opinion. And and you know what? I, I it's really hard to learn new languages. And I've heard of that course. I've heard that English is one of the hardest languages to learn. Uh, Com- coming from that dialect, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, like I, I took like six years of Spanish divided between high school and college, and I still can't really speak a lick of it just because <laughs> I, I. It's just. Hard to learn other languages, and there's reasons why, like, there's so many apps and so many things to learn other languages. So it's, you know, it, it's it's just bad overall and a bad overall look to, you know, to, to say that. And, and baseball's got to get away from that specific language barrier take that I've seen twice this year with in the, 2021 with the, with the dumbass in Seattle the GM what was his name Kevin's uh actually three times yeah, Kevin three what's times. his name I don't the, the remember GM that's name, no but... longer there basically said he was tired of paying an interpreter for a pitcher who isn't very good who doesn't want to learn English yeah. like dude come on yeah, like, I mean that's I, that, just really bad there was a column in the in the New York Post and then there was this incident so three times in 2021 we've had we've been having this discussion and it's just it's just bad and Mm-hmm. And just it needs well, to stop. ESPN's had a tough week um, with the Rachel Nichols stuff and the the leaked conversation about um, uh, the, the fact that she thought it, it, this was like a year old in the bubble. If you haven't heard it, so, so there was a leaked off camera conversation with somebody and Rachel Nichols basically saying she didn't think she would get the the sideline job for the NBA Finals last year because she was white and they she basically said they they're leaning towards more diversity on the broadcast. Look, it's it's completely ignorant to think that that kind of stuff doesn't happen in broadcasting. It happens 100%. It it happens a lot. There there are people who get hired because stations and networks need to be more diversified. That is just the way it goes. And ESPN's had a tough week. They've got to they've got to deal with with some of these guys eating their own medicine. I mean, this is uh this is something they got to deal with, but but back to the fact that Shohei Otani 
has been the most exciting player in Major League Baseball. And his his run at the Home Run Derby last night was, I wouldn't say it was tainted by, by the Stephen A. stuff, but people were definitely talking about it. Like, uh, you know, who cares? I didn't even know that he didn't know English. I didn't know that. I, I I don't care. Like I'm not I'm not sitting up watching Angels news conferences <laughs> after their games. I'm watching Otani's highlights. I'm not I'm not looking up interviews of of what he's he's saying. Like because obviously when you read stories about him and they quote him, it's coming from his interpreter, who by the way is paid for by the team, which means the team doesn't have a problem with it. Um, I I've I've been in locker rooms in major league uh, clubhouses with the D-backs. Um, uh, Yoshi Hirano, remember him? The the Japanese yeah. pitcher, uh, he had an interpreter. The guy's got a locker, right? He's got his own locker, <laughs> right next to him. It, it's it's pretty cool. Like they, they're they're kind of attached at the hip. They don't do anything apart. Real quick, I, I just wanted to touch on though. Like everybody's complaining about baseball. Everybody, including, and I think the biggest proponent of this might be the commissioner, Rob Manfred. But like, how is how? I don't understand. It's at this. I think it's at this unbelievably fun place where we have. Pete Alonso, Shohei, um, uh, Lindor, uh, so many good Tatis, players, like yeah. Soto, like those. It's, it's such a fun time. Vladimir these, Guerrero yeah, Jr. hit a these, home run in the All Star game tonight, about four hundred and eighty feet. Yeah, these young guys, <laughs> uh, Bo Bichette, all these young guys are so fun, and and none of them play for the Diamondbacks. No, no, not not yet, not yet. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Eduardo Escobar is the only D back that is in the All Star game tonight, and I, I, I think we're in the seventh inning now. I haven't fully been paying attention. I'm not sure if he's gotten in the game yet or not. Um, but he's had a nice little season so far. Uh, he's only batting two fifty four, but he's got twenty home runs with sixty RBIs. He's by far been the most productive player at the plate for the Diamondbacks this season, and um, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be here because the D backs are in full trade mode. Once the All Star break is over, and once they figure out what they want to do um, with their team, but um, but yeah, the D backs are like forty games below five hundred. They can get some prospects. They got if they can, they got to figure out a way to do it. I, I mean, at this point, I don't think anybody is on the do not trade list. I'm just just my thoughts. I don't think anybody is. All right, coming up, we're gonna wrap up the show. Final segment. Um, we got thoughts on the Suns game tomorrow night. We're going to give some predictions, and we're going to hear from Monty Williams, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. On the other side, I'm Spencer Keatsman on the Rundown 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Suns have. The home of the Suns run to the championship. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns Finals coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Talking NBA Finals on the rundown. I, I don't know if I, I can do it. Uh, it's just not my personality. And, and the one thing that Pop taught me was to be myself. Uh, and I do think it's finite in its um, ability to change anything ultimately ultimately i think the players are going to go out there and do what they're going to do to help uh win the game i'm not quite sure if it helps as much as people would think maybe it does i don't know but i'm not good at that stuff i i i tend to state the facts i try to be respectful i want to go through the proper channels and get my point across i don't want to play the game that way it's just not who i am maybe i'm wrong in that um, but I do get your point. I've, I've seen coaches 
implement that. I just, I know I'm not that good at it. You know, it looked like that the other night, though, right? Maybe, but it wasn't intentional. But if it works, great. You know, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I just, I stated the facts. I wasn't pulling something out of a cloud. You get where I'm coming from? Like, those are facts. That That's what it was. Yeah, that's Monty Williams um, earlier today addressing uh, the, the officiating and the fact that, you know, Giannis got to the line 17 times when the Suns only got to the line 16 times in Game 3 in the 120-100 loss that the Suns uh, suffered to the Milwaukee Bucks. And the, 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 the background of that question he was asked was, do you think you can use the media uh, as an avenue to sort of influence the way a game may play out, whether it's officiating or, uh, you know, because if I guess the idea is, is if you can get the officials to hear some of this stuff, they might favor one player over another. They might favor certain matchups. Um I personally don't like that style, and I don't think Monty really likes it either. Because I think I don't think he did it on purpose. I think he unintentionally did it. And but you know, the question was asked because like you know you played for Popovich, you worked for him. Um, can it? <laughs> that guy's the master at manipulating the media to try to get something to go his way. So uh, maybe that's what they were saying. Like, can you use that as an advantage? But I, I think the NBA has a huge problem. Um, with the way these games are not only being officiated, but uh, the flopping, all the complaining, all the whining and moaning from all the players uh, about every little foul, every little call is a problem, man. And it's 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 becoming a, a problem. And I think they're going to fix that in the offseason. I think that they're going to start giving out fines or maybe giving out um, – I, I guess if you flop and you weren't touched, that's a foul on you. That would be kind of cool. I'd like to see something like that. Um, but it's it's got to be fixed. I mean, uh, to to get to keep the interested party or interested audience that is the NBA audience, I think that the game needs to kind of go back to the way it was, um, where the officials have more power than the players, where players aren't complaining near as much about every single little call. Um, you know, where we weren't analyzing every little aspect of of a foul and taking forever to do it for these reviews. Like, it, it's just, I think it's gone a little bit too far, um, and, and it's it's difficult to explain. Like, uh, my girlfriend, I sit and watch games, I sit and watch the playoff games with her every, every night, every time. And, you know, she's not the biggest basketball fan in the world. She likes other sports better, but, you know, there were time, there's times during an NBA broadcast where they call a foul and you don't even know what happened. One, because Mike Breen and, and Mark Jackson are not good at explaining it on TV, what is going on, because half the time I don't even think they know, especially when they're not on the floor. They've been uh, higher up um, at the games. They haven't been on the floor where they normally would be, I don't think. Maybe that's changed now, but um, there's been times where there's been a whistle blown and then the ball just goes back the other way. Like, okay, what happened? We don't know. And, you know, my girl's asking me, like, so what What? What happened? What, where was the foul? And I'm like, babe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they called. I have no idea. They're not telling me on the broadcast. And, uh, you know, it was a fast whistle. And then in NBA games, what they do on, on TV is once there's a whistle and the play stops, they immediately show a replay of something that happened like three possessions ago. 
like a layup that or, or an awesome dunk or something that happened three possessions ago. I'm like, we don't need to see that right now. I want to figure out what this call is. This is the NBA Finals. Um, it, it's it's just really difficult to understand a lot of, of what's going on with some of these calls. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a problem. But um, Chris Paul, we'll move on to a little bit of a positive note here to end this, uh, and that is Chris Paul's praising of DeAndre Ayton's ability uh, to set a screen and loosen up the offense has been fantastic. Man, D.A., um as you were just talking about, like screens, like the angles matter. Angles matter in the screen and the small details and the big men, Tyson Chandler, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, on David West, David West was one of the best at it because he just knew if you if he set the screen this way, he's going to be wide open. So uh, D.A. just understands how to give himself up. The things that he does for us, that, that he does on a nightly basis, for us, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. You know, so when you see this guy get a corner three because he rolled, there's no stat for that, and that's why he's so valuable to our team. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt. That's going to do it for us on The Rundown. I'm Spencer Keatsman. Thanks to Jesse Morrison for producing the effort tonight. Game four tomorrow night on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.